I'm just going to let the Lord lead today. I want to let him lead every week, but I feel like, man, today more than ever. Lord, we thank you. Just praise you, Lord, that you're with us. You never leave us, never forsake us. You have a plan and a purpose for us. We thank you, God, that you're just as real today as you were before the earth was even formed. That you're still God. You're still speaking. We thank you, Lord, out of the very words, Lord, out of your mouth, creation was formed. There's nothing you cannot do. There's nothing we can see, Lord, and, and the things we can't see that wasn't made by you, that you aren't still in control of. We don't understand most of the time, but we thank you, Lord, that you're still God. You're still in control. We just surrender it all to you today, in Jesus' name. Just wanted to share with you something from the Lord that I really feel like he wants to speak to you today. The Lord wants to encourage you today. He wants to give you new strength. He wants to give you a second wind. And he wants to finish what he started in your life. Right? Who's familiar with the story of Elijah? A warrior for the kingdom, right? What an amazing man of God. Elijah didn't even die. He was such a powerful man of God that one day, a chariot of fire came down from heaven and picked him up and brought him to heaven. This guy was a man of God. And he didn't let anything stop him from being a man of God. But I want you to look at a story today, a part of his life where he hit a low. Who knows that even the greats, even the greats, a man who walked with God in such a way that God didn't see it necessary for him to die and just took him home. We see in his story in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17 that we see the intro to Elijah in 2 uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2, it said, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. And the Lord tells him to drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring to you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan, and he drank and he ate, and then it says in verse 7, But after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. And I have instructed a widow, a widow there to feed you. And in verse 15, we, you know, there's a, a beautiful story in there of her feeding him. But the Lord sustained him there in that house, and actually blessed her for sustaining him. And it says in verse 15, as uh, uh, Elijah said, he encouraged her just to, to the, from the Lord, that it says that there, verse 16, that there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. 
tell him that I will soon send rain. And in verse two, Elijah went to appear before Ahab. And meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. He said, summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of, of Asherah and, and they were, who were supported by Jezebel. So they summoned all the prophets and he stood in front of them and he said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And we see here that Elijah was a man of God, that God had literally supernaturally taken care of him. He ate from this particular brook and he was fed. Uh, I believe the Bible's literal. I, believe, I don't believe that it's a big metaphor. I believe there are metaphors in the literal, but I believe he was physically fed by the ravens. If that's what the Bible says, if it wanted to be a metaphor, then God would have said it's a metaphor. But I believe that God supernaturally cared for him. Who knows that God can supernaturally care for you today still? May not be a bird dropping food in your yard, but he does, doesn't he? And he was taking care of him. And then when that dried up, who knows, sometimes the provision seems to dry up from God. But God is not done providing for you and he sends you somewhere else. And why is he doing this? He doesn't do it because Elijah is, go is going to be obedient. He does it because he loves Elijah. That's it. It's out of Elijah's obedience that Elijah gets to, to, he gets to encounter that love of God. But God's love was sent towards Elijah without Elijah's response. Elijah's going to do some things in his life, as we see here, but God's grace was already on Elijah. He was already taking care of you, Today, he's taking care of you. And then Elijah was faithful to go and do what God's asking him to do. And he's coming to confront some things in his time. Who, know that, who knows that there are some little G gods ruling in our earth again today? This was a time where it was literally, these were God's people. And um, this would be equivalent to the church today, this time that we have. This was God's people who God had delivered from Egypt supernaturally. They saw him part the Red Sea. They saw him send the plagues on Egypt. They saw his supernatural provision. He, uh, Egypt gives them all of their provision on the way out. They have everything they need. He feeds them supernaturally th uh, all the way through uh, till they get to the promised land. They get to the promised land. The walls of Jericho fall down, etc., etc., etc. And now we have this time where the people have completely forgotten everything that God had done for them. The church had forgotten and they were worshiping the gods of the lands around them. But Elijah stood up just as God's asking his people today to stand up. Elijah stood up and he said, how long are you going to hobble between two opinions? This guy was bold. He was bold and he came to the king and to these and to to the prophets to those who were standing on the on the other side and he said in verse 22 i am the only prophet of the lord who is left but baal has 450 prophets and he said now bring two bowls and he said what i want you to do is if your god is god then i want you to sacrifice to your god cut up the bowl don't start a fire just lay the bowl on the altar. I'll do the same before my God, the true God. 
and whoever sends fire down on the altar, it'll prove who God is. And so Elijah was very bold and he was very confident that his God was going to come through for him. God had provided for him and was taking care of him and he was a man of God. I wanted to um, being a little tedious as I am sometimes to really set the, the uh, stage here that this guy trusted God. And he stands up as one prophet against 450 prophets. And he calls on the name of the Lord. It says on verse 36, and at the usual time, and, there's, and we know what, what didn't happen. Fire did not come down from their gods and consume their offering, did it? It did not because their God is not real. They were worshiping the demons of the land and their gods, the little G, were not powerful enough to send down the fire. And he mocked him for it. And he said, you got to, maybe you need to sing, you know, worship him louder and et cetera. But at verse 36, Elijah, Elijah, he walks over to the altar and he prays, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And it says in verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up. He had doused the whole thing just to prove God more than more. Uh, he doused the whole thing with water three times, and it licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord is God. God's looking again for men and women to stand up and be this voice, isn't He? And Elijah was this voice. And, and you know, maybe on a smaller scale, just you being a believer and staying strong as a believer in your world, everything in your world is pushing against you to not be a believer, isn't it? You don't have to look very far. Just turn on the TV, turn on the radio, just go out and be with people. And you don't have to look very far to see that the world is crushing in around us. The prophets of Baal in today's time are still being, uh, they're still being worshipped and those gods are still um, evident today and it's time for believers. But we are doing that just by being strong, just by not folding, we are doing what Elijah has done. It may not look as grand, but by you deciding to not bow your knee as they were bowing their knees, you are standing as Elijah today. It may not seem like you've called down fire from heaven, but I want to encourage you today that the Lord is looking at you and he sees that you haven't bowed your knee, even though many right? Who, has, who, who here grew up in the church for at least a portion of your time, of your life? And who has seen so many of your friends, family, uh, etc., that didn't continue, that did end up bowing their knee? And that's a sad thing. They bowed their knee to the world and, they, and they're gone from the church. And so the Lord is looking at you and he sees you the same. He's sustaining you, he's taking care of you, and he sees that you haven't bowed your knee to the world. And he's, the Lord wants to encourage you today that he sees that, and he's proud of that. And it continues, this story continues. This man of God, it says that he, 
uh, then seized all the prophets. They kill all the, uh, f- the, the foreign prophets. They kill them all. And then he said to, in verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. And in verse 42, Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned. And seven times Elijah told him, go and look. And finally, verse 44, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Now, Elijah had great faith. Elijah trusted in his God. He had seen his God come through for him. He had seen his God come through sustaining him. He saw him do what he said he was going to do, and God had proven himself. So Elijah's faith is strong right now. And he said, he shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And verse 45, and soon, I'm getting somewhere. I'm talking fast because I'm trying to get somewhere. Is that all right? And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Verse 46, then the Lord, look at this man of God. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead on the mud run, right? Uh, ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Man, God was on his side, wasn't he? Is it clear so far that God is on this guy's side? It's clear that God's on our side too. Sometimes we, are, we don't realize. Sometimes we just, we don't realize we, the, the world around us is so oppressive that we need to stop and, and think just what God has done for us, what he's still doing for us right now. And it's easy to forget Come on, I want you to raise your hands and I want you to say out loud, it's easy to forget. Isn't it? What an amazing story so far. But as you know in my sermons, I'm about to turn the page, aren't we? It says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says, when Ahab got home, He told Jezebel, right? Ahab was the king of Israel, and Jezebel is the queen, an evil queen, and these were her prophets that he just killed. And those were her gods that that Elijah just mocked. And it says that he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, little g, Strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Now, Elijah's not going to be afraid. He's not going to back down, right? Because this is Elijah. He watched God give him water from the brook when there was a drought. He watched God give him food from the ravens. He actually, uh, when, that, when he was living with that widow... Her son dies. He says, don't worry about it. Goes upstairs, lays on top of him, prays before God. Life comes back into his body and the boy comes back to life. Then he deals with Satan in his land. 
stands up as a man of God. He stands up, deals with him, and then he prays after that's dealt with. Okay, now we're going to release some rain. It's going to rain again. And the Bible says that he prayed seven times and the Lord hears him and bam, releases rain. Elijah's filled with faith. He's got nothing but faith right now, right? And it says, and this is the message for you today. Verse 3. I want you to read those three words aloud. Thank you, Gavin. It says that he, depending on your translation, if you're in the New King James or traditional, it says that he ran for his life. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Why would he do that? Why would he run for his life? Why would he flee? It says he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then verse 4, it says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Somehow I'm, I'm missing something here in this story. How is it 17 and 18, this, this man of faith, this man of strength could turn so quickly. He says, I have had enough. And actually, the Hebrew language is a little bit different than the English language, so they put this, I have had, in here to make it make more sense. But the word here, the Hebrew word for right here is just enough. That's the best way to translate what he said, enough. Who's ever put their hands up to God and said enough? <laughs> enough. I've had enough. I hit my end. Isn't it amazing? You can, what I want to bring it home to for us is that if Elijah, has anybody in here called down literal fire from heaven yet? Not yet. Not yet. Come on. That's right, Tamisha. It's coming. But it, if Elijah can get burdened and afraid and run for his life, then God is not surprised when we get this way. He's not surprised. And I love this story because he said, Lord, Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died, which is such a lie from the pit of hell. What do you mean you're no better than your ancestors? Because so far, your ancestors took this amazing miracle that he did for them of delivering them from captivity and slavery, put them in an, an absolute, what Israel was, the best, the Bible describes it as like a paradise, as heaven on earth. And they totally reject and abandon God. So the devil got in his ear. When Jezebel spoke that curse, something happened. It made its way to him. 
and it got into his head. And I want you to, I want you to look before we look at the Lord's response to him. It says something similar. We have Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew 4, verse 1, Jesus is just baptized. He's about to go into the ministry as the Christ. He was Jesus born as a man, right? And he was just a man. He was a carpenter's son, right? His brothers, they don't, they, and his, the townspeople later on, we find out this is just Jesus. He's just the carpenter's son. Who is this guy? But God's about to anoint him and make him Jesus the Christ. And the ministry is about to begin and he's baptized. And then it says, and the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. It says, verse two, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And in verse three, let's see if anybody can identify with this. It says, during that time, the devil came. When God is using you most, the bigger the plan is for your life, the bigger the devil that's going to be sent against you. That's just, he's warring against God. He will lose, right? My Bible tells me in Revelation that the devil will lose, that he and all of his angels will be thrown into the lake of fire for eternity, right? Amen. But in this time that we're still living here, as time ticks, and actually it's not God looking and allowing uh, all the hurt and the pain for any sadistic reason. It's actually out of grace, the Bible says, so that more would be saved. That's the only reason time is still going on, so that his kingdom can be built. But the devil will be dealt with. His time will come to an end. And, uh, and hell was not made for people. It was only there for him. And the only reason that people go to hell is because they reject God. Obviously, then, as Jesus said, you only, there's only two fathers. There's either the father or the, your father, the devil. You're going to go where your father is. That's the only reason that people even go to hell. But his time is coming. But during this time that we live in, he's still roaming about. The Bible says, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so many times when you're walking with God, you're standing, you haven't bowed your knee, doing the right things. It may not be calling down fire from heaven. You may not see the provision in, in, in such a supernatural way. But if you just stop and think, we need to just stop and remember about the things that God's done in our life, right? All the times that he's helped us and all the times that he has come through for us and times we should have died, right? Times that we should have been gone financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, et cetera, but he's been there for us, hasn't he? But when you are standing your ground, let me just tell you a fact. The more we understand this fact, the less surprised we'll be and we can read. The reason that these scriptures were penned down to begin with is not just so that we can learn about Elijah and go, oh, I have some more Bible knowledge now. I'm, knowledge, I'm all puffed up because I know the Bible. The Bible was penned so that we could learn from their story and also to encourage us when we've put ourselves into the same positions as these characters and see 
that God's grace and his mercy and his love always provides a way out. And so it's only our choice at that moment that we continue going darker or we come out, right? So the Bible says that during that time, the devil came. And it's interesting because he says to Jesus, if, everybody say out loud, if, if you are the Son of God, just know it as fact that he's going to come and try and disrupt you. Trying to, he'll try to get you to, if you will not bow your knee, he will try to come and get you to give up. Just understand that. When you won't bow your knee, his strategy is the same because you can just go through story after story after story. But who knows that in that very time, God's got something up his sleeve, doesn't he? At the time that the devil puts the most pressure on the people and the word, what happens to those that trusted in God? Come out a lot stronger than they would have been in their own strength. And those that relied on their own strength always fall. Every single one. You need to understand that he will come and the very thing he will do is to get you to question who you are. Always. Elijah had done some things that I haven't done in my life. And now because the curse had hit him, something about those words that hit him caused him to run. You can't even make sense of it, right? Who has been there? It doesn't make sense when the oppression, depression, etc., from the enemy comes, does it? For some reason in that moment, everything that God's done for us, all his grace, all his mercy, all his love, all his provision just goes out the window. I'm not going to put that on you as a weight or condemnation. I'm saying that to free you today, that that's completely normal. As a man or woman of God, these moments are going to come. But look back now. Look back and see what it says. God comes to him and says, Elijah, you're such an idiot. I can't believe it. All that I've done for you. Man, I don't, I don't know what to do with you. He doesn't say any of that, <laughs> does he? Look what he says in verse 4. Verse 5. says, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, what's it say? Get up and eat. The Lord came. The angel of the Lord came and he ministered to him. Verse 6, he looked around and there beside his head was some baked was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Here's the Lord sustaining him again. The Lord's not confused. He's not worried. He's not mad that you are exhausted, that you're frustrated, that you're hurt. Elijah ran in the right direction, didn't he? He didn't run and give up in the way that his ancestors, the way that the, the devil is lying to him. The lie got into his head that he's just doing what his ancestors had done, which is a lie. 
because that wasn't the truth. He just said, Lord, take me home. I don't want to do this anymore. Who's been there? And he says, get up and eat. Verse 7, and this is your word today. The title of this sermon is A Second Touch for a Second Wind. Then the angel of the Lord. It says the angel of the Lord came again. Don't you love God's grace and his mercy? Sometimes you need another touch from God. Who can raise their hand and say, I need another touch from God? Sometimes the devil has come, life has come, and it has put you into a place where one touch from God's not even enough. It's not enough. We've all been there. We've all been to that place. We've all done, we've all stood our ground here. I know you guys. We're small enough that it's family. I know your life. It's a big church. I can't say that. The devil wants to highlight the areas where it's you, puts it on you, where God's looking and going, well, I saw where you didn't bow your knee in those areas. And I also sustained you and took care of you. And I was with you. It says that the angel of the Lord came again. He came again. And actually the wording here, the more proper word here in the Hebrew is double. He doubled. He did again what he had done before. And he said, get up and eat some more. That's what the Lord is speaking to you today. That's his word for you today. Get up and eat some more. The Lord has got some more for you. He's got sustenance again. He's not out. He didn't run out. He didn't say, Elijah, that was my last meal. It was the last bit of water I had reserved in heaven. And he said, also, though, here's a comma, because God's got something for you. God still has life left for you to live. I want you to raise your hand and I want you to say, God's still got some life for me to live. He's still got some things that he needs you to do and only you. It was only Elijah who could do some things at this time. There was a job for him to do there were some things that God was going to do through him still. And so he said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you because God's about to send him. He, he's about to go. In verse eight, he got up and drank, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength. The Lord is going to give you strength again. And he will give you Enough strength. God does not give you a little. If he sees before God sends you back out to the enemy, because that's where you're headed. 
You are the light of this world. You are the salt on this earth. That it should not be confusing for a Christian. This is not odd. You are, the Bible calls us aliens, foreigners, nomads. This is not your home. And you're living in enemy territory. God is still God. And the earth is still his. Just the time frame that we live in is under the devil's control. Don't be surprised that everything against you is oppressing you. This makes complete sense according to our word. But who knows that God has what it takes to take you up and out of that oppression so that you can walk above it. Jesus walked on the water. Is that possible? Well, it's possible, right. Give me a nod because he did it. I get it. But it's not possible in the natural. Thank you. Yes, he did. Thanks, Tony. Like, yes, it is possible because we read. It is possible, even though in the natural, remember Peter says, I can do that too. And when he kept his eyes on Jesus, the Bible says, I preached it before, doesn't say that Peter thought about walking on that water and got up the faith to walk. The Bible says that Peter walked on the water. Then when he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the waves and the wind and the circumstances around him, it says that he began to sink. He was still, I mean, have you ever begun to do something? That means you're still doing what you were doing before. He was still kind of walking, kind of sinking. So it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter what your situations look like. It doesn't matter that it's oppressive. It doesn't matter that you're depressed. It doesn't matter that those things are around you. Because even though we should be aware of that reality, we are not going to stay there. And don't get worried. Don't get condemned that you got there. God's got a plan to get you out of there. Come on, out loud. God's got a plan to get me out of there. We get into funks, don't we, as believers? We get low. We get burned out. We get tired. We get frustrated. But God's got a plan today, just like he had a plan before the earth was formed. Did you know that it says that Jesus... Everything that was made was made through him, which means that before Adam and Eve even sinned, Jesus' plan for the cross, thousands of years later to his date and thousands of years from our date was already set in motion. God knows what he's doing. He's not confused by what's going on here. And he says that he gave him enough strength. God doesn't just give you strength and send you back out, does he? I love what happens here. It says that he gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights from two meals. I want this meal, Lord. I want this meal. I can barely run two hours. 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. The Lord is going to speak a word again to you. He's going to give you the strength you need, and he's going to speak to you again. He doesn't just strengthen you and send you back out. The first thing he's going to do is strengthen you and get you back into his presence. That's the place that you need. 
You don't need the strength sometimes to go into the world. Sometimes you just need the strength to come back to God. Who's been there? You just need strength to come back to Him. You feel like you're not even capable. It's a lie from the, from the pit of hell. It's not true. But God's grace and His mercy is still alive today. And when you are done, finished, His grace is right there under that tree again for you. And you just close your eyes and just try to sleep it off. And the Lord's touching you again today. He's given you a second touch because he's got a second wind that he's got to get you to do. There were some things that Elijah wasn't finished with, and, and God was gracious to him. And Elijah, after this, fast forward, goes to heaven on a chariot of fire. So he obviously finished some things properly. But at this moment when he was low and he needed the Lord, the Lord's like, don't worry, I've got the strength to give you what you need. Takes him to the mountain of God, and it says that God spoke to him, gave him a plan again. He gave him a plan of action. I need you to go here. I need you to do this, do this and that. And Elijah did it faithfully. I love that Elijah prayed to die. Well, that's an awful thing to say, Pastor. I just love that he was real. He was a normal human being just like us. He had prayed for a boy to come back to life, and the boy came back to life. He prayed, right, for fire to come down from heaven and for God to prove himself, and God does it. He prays for it to rain after it hadn't rained in three years, and God does it. He prays to die. God doesn't answer that prayer. He had the faith and the strength and the prayer to get done what God needed to do. And sometimes we get into such a place of frustration where the enemy has distracted us, disrupted us, etc. Put us into a place where our prayer, our prayer that had enough faith to do supernatural things is now just to bring peace to my own life. God never condemns him once for that prayer. God is not condemning you today. If you're in a place where you're asking for peace again. Instead, what did God do? He sustained him. The Lord will sustain you again, just as he did in verse 1, as I read, that the Lord sustained him. He gave him what he needed gave him the food he needed, gave him the strength he needed. And, and just to give you some encouragement, this is not just Elijah, but as we fast forward and we look back at that story of Jesus, when the devil came to Jesus and Jesus deals with him successfully, doesn't he? In the temptation of Christ, the three temptations, Jesus answers properly and he stands his, his ground as the Son of God, he will not be tempted. And then it says in verse 11 that the devil, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, it says that the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Even Jesus, the Son of God, needed to be comforted and re-strengthened after what he had gone through. In fact, it says again, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. It says again in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is now at the end of his ministry. He's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And he's giving his heart to the Lord. He's pouring it out. He's sweating blood before the Lord. He knows what he has to go do on the cross. 
And it says in Luke 22, verse 40, he's with his disciples and he told them, uh, pray, you will not give into temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed and said in verse 42, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That was the same prayer really of, of Elijah's, even though it looks like total giving up. He had done the Lord's will. He was faithful to the Lord. And it says, verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. If Jesus had hit a point where he needed supernatural strength to do what God was calling him to do, don't think we don't. And you might not even have the words to pray. You might not even have the strength to cry out to him. All you need to do is, as Elijah did, is it looks like giving up. It looks like surrender, but it wasn't. He went in the right direction, right? Went away from the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He got away from that. And the Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. He got to the most humble place you can get to. Total surrender. Enough. Really, he came to the, the perfect place that you can be in. When you say enough to the Lord, the Lord says, perfect. Now I can use you. Now I can do more through you. Because you hit the point, as Paul says, where I realize it's not my strength. And he said, if I have to suffer, if that's what it takes to get me to the point where I come realize that it's not me, but it's him, then I'd rather live my life suffering. Because that place is where Jesus showed up and was strong in his life. Let's stand up. just want to pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've preserved it for us. We thank you, Lord, that you're still speaking a brand new, fresh word to this people right here, right now, Lord. This is for right here, this moment, Lord. We thank you that you are that supernatural, that you could pen down a story thousands of years ago and make it that relevant for our moment right now. But Lord, we pray as your people, we know that you hear our prayers. Your word has shown us countless times, Lord, of your grace and your mercy and your love that we can never find the end of it. Your word says that you will leave the 99 and go find the one. You're looking. Your eyes are searching. You're looking for your people, but Lord, you're, you will look and find that one that is so distraught, that has hit the end of themselves and your grace is there to lift them back up again. Lord, we thank you that you're here for us today. We thank you, Lord, that you find us at the end of our rope. You find us, Lord, at the very end when we say it's enough. And I thank you, Lord, that the greatest strengths, the greatest power, the greatest, Lord, life that you have planned for us is about to come out of us. The very thing the enemy planned to destroy us and to keep us out of the plan and purpose and the will of God is going to push us further into your plan. Because now you're in control. The end of us has come and the beginning of you. We thank you, Lord, for our supernatural sustenance. We pray right now, and this is a real prayer, Lord. 
We pray this from the depths of our heart. Touch us again, Lord. We need a touch from heaven again. We need some supernatural sustenance. And I thank you, Lord. Use it to drive us, Lord. We're not going to use it for our own gain. I thank you, Lord, that Elijah got up. And just as we are, we're going to get up with this strength. We're going to use it to run to your mountain, to run to your presence, and get a word from you again, to go on with our lives and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.